betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And this is the word of the Lord. Merry Christmas. Uh, It's so good to be with you as it is every Lord's Day, but there's something uh, special, something awesome about uh, this time of the year. Amen? It's just just, uh, exciting to have the Sorber uh, family up here and maybe a future uh, preacher uh, that we saw up here just uh, just a few few moments ago. Uh, I love uh, I love Christmas. I love my church family. I've been praying for you the last few days in two specific ways. Been praying for you, Cornerstone. Uh, been praying that you would have awe uh, for God, that you would have awe uh, for the incarnation. All of the, the tree, the, the, the parties, uh, everything that, that we have going on this time of the year uh, points to this, this, this reality, this, this historical fact, this mystery of God the Son becoming a baby. I mean, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit is far back into eternity past, if we can even use that language, have existed in this perfect, loving Harmony, one God and three persons in this community of three, this relationship. And some 2,000 years ago, that, that God the Son became a baby. I mean, I mean awe. 
awe. I've been praying for you, I've been praying for me that we would have awe about what happened. This baby being born in Bethlehem. The birth of every baby is a miracle. Uh, Amen? Uh, Life is sacred and beautiful. Uh, Every parent uh, remembers that moment of the first child uh, that's born. This is a day or two after uh, our first was born, July 4th, 2000. I had a different hairstylist then. Much more sophisticated stylist uh, now. But uh, we, we, we all remember uh, that, that, that moment of holding uh, your firstborn and just, this is amazing. This is amazing. And if it is amazing, the birth of a normal baby, the birth of the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, born. The scriptures speak of, of the amazingness, the mysteriousness of the, of the birth of, of, a, of a normal, of a regular uh, human being. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you don't know the work of God who makes everything. There is mystery to the birth of, of every baby And there is extraordinary and awesome mystery with the birth of the Son of God. Matthew Henry uh, writes this. He says, The mystery of Christ's incarnation is to be adored, not pried into. If we know not the way of the Spirit in the formation of common persons, nor how the bones are formed in the womb of anyone that is with child, much less do we know how the blessed Jesus was formed in the womb of the blessed Virgin. So I've been praying for you and for me that we would have awe this Christmas season as we go about all of the festivities and parties and so on, that behind all of that would be the fact of the incarnation, of the birth of Jesus, who grows to die for our sins, to be raised on the third day and and ascends again to the right hand of the Father. So I said I've been praying for you for in two ways, specifically two ways, for awe, and then I've also been praying for you for obedience. For obedience. And this is going to be the theme of the rest of the message today as we get into God's Word. We're going to see Joseph's obedience in the passage, uh, part of the passage that was just read for us a few moments ago. And ideally, the way God has set this up is that your obedience and my obedience and Joseph's obedience and the passage we're about to look at flows from love, from love for God. If you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We are not to obey out of this you know, fear of uh, cowering of you know, God's going to get me and, I, and I, I need to obey him. We obey him out of a, we ask for a heart to love him. And we obey him out of that heart of, of love. So this is the second way I've been praying for you. And we see this, this heart of obedience in Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. 
So if you're not there, go ahead and turn uh, to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at uh, verses 18 through 25, slowly working our way through this short section, and then we'll continue there the next uh, two weeks as well. So let's begin at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. It's an incredibly familiar passage to all of us. If you've been around the church for more than a year, uh, you've, you've heard this passage. Um, it is familiar territory, so I'm asking it's going to be fresh upon you today, especially as it comes to obedience. But we're told here in verse 18 about what the uh, setting is, what has happened, and what, what, where we are in this setting of the birth of Jesus is Mary and Joseph are betrothed, or as the uh, NIV uh, puts it, they are pledged to be married. So this was a time period in the first century where a man and a woman who were uh, technically married, but were still living apart. The woman would still be under the authority of her parents and her father and would be living uh, with them. But in a technical sense, uh, they were married. And this is the situation that Mary and Joseph find themselves in. The NIV says, before they came together. And there's a, a, a double meaning there in this, in this phrase. Uh, before they came together as a household. Before they came together as a couple uh, in, under, under one roof. And it's also saying here, before they came together, before they knew each other, before they had relations or intimacy. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. This was the setting. Uh, She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. This incredible, awesome, miraculous, virginal conception by the Holy Spirit. Now, as beautiful as this is to us, if we can take ourselves back to, the ta- to that time and put ourselves in Joseph's shoes, uh, th- this, this was not good news for Joseph, right? Th- th- this, this was not good news yet uh, in verse 18. Look at verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So they're living apart. Joseph is unaware of of what has happened. It's not recorded in Matthew, but what has happened, according to Luke, is the angel Gabriel has come to Mary and let her know what's going on here, that the Messiah is miraculously conceived in you. So Mary is aware, but Joseph is not. The implication here is he doesn't know what is going on, and his wife is pregnant. So from his perspective, this is bad news. And it's hard maybe for us in our culture to understand how bad this news is from Joseph's perspective. We we live in a culture where um, uh, hooking up, uh, activities happen regularly. This is no big deal. In that day, this was a crime under the laws of Moses adultery or relations outside of marriage this is something 
that brought about potentially a capital uh, stoning, death, according to the laws of Moses. Now, there's other punishments that come, but sin requires justice or a punishment. And so the word says that he is a just or a righteous man. And so we see in verse 19 two aspects of Joseph's obedience. We see first off his obedience to the laws of Moses. He doesn't know yet what is going on. This is bad news. And so the the law and justice must be applied. And so we see that Joseph is a man who is obedient to the word of God. And yet the way that he is obedient to the word of God is important. Again, in verse 19, we see uh, that he did not only not seek for her to be stoned initially before he knows what's going on here. He doesn't go that route. He doesn't even want to expose her to public disgrace. He doesn't want anyone to know what has happened, but he has in mind to, to divorce her quietly. There's a variety of of ways that Joseph could have gone here to bring shame and even death to her. I'm not going to get into all those passages, but if you want to look at them, Deuteronomy 22 and Numbers 5 speak about the consequences that would be going through Joseph's mind right now for this woman that's going, that has technically become his wife, but is going to become in, in day-to-day life his, wife's, his wife soon. You can just imagine his emotions. Joseph is a man who is obedient to the word of God. And so he has in mind to divorce her quietly. And so we see not only his obedience to the laws of Moses, but we see his obedience to what I'm calling the gospel theme of grace. To the gospel theme of grace. He's not eager to bring the authority of the word and judgment upon her. He wants to do this quietly. He loves her. He's a compassionate man. So he's going to be both faithful to the word and he's going to be compassionate to this woman that he's emotionally and, and uh, so on dealing with this idea of, of her being pregnant. So this bad news uh, turns for him into good news uh, very quickly. We see this in, in verse 20. Look at the very beginning of verse 20. But after he had considered this, after he had considered this, It's an important phrase. We should pause here. But after he had considered this. So he lived in this situation for some time. We don't know how long. but He's considering what's going on here. After he had considered this. And then uh, the the, the Greek text has the little word here. Edu. Which is translated uh, by many of our translations. Behold. As he's considering this, behold, and uh, some of you uh, listen to uh, Charles Stanley in the morning. Anybody listen to Charles Stanley? See, I know some, quite a few folks listen to Charles Stanley, a preacher, for those of you who don't know who he is, and uh, he's one of the few uh, Bible preachers that's uh, on television, and when Charles Stanley is preaching, he'll often say things like, um, uh, listen now, uh, listen, hear this. Listen to me. And this is what Matthew's doing right here. He's saying, behold, it do. The NIV omits it. I don't know why they do that. 
But they omit that. Behold, right after he's been considering this, the beginning of verse 20, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Wow. Bad news gone good in a hurry. On multiple levels here. The first level is just the personal level for Joseph. I mean, think of it. Um, men, women who have been married, think of that excitement that you had as you're looking forward to marriage. That anticipation. Looking forward to that. And, 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 and Joseph sees um, at this point she was showing. We're not sure. She's three or four months pregnant here. She's showing. He's not communicating with her. And, and think of the transition of his emotions from where he was to, to having this visitation in a dream by the angel who says to him, not only is it okay that she's pregnant, not only is all that personal stuff taken care of, but the Messiah, the one the world has been waiting for to come, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Wonderful Counselor is in your wife. This is really good news. Really good news. And it comes to Joseph in a dream by an angel. Verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Here's the gospel right at the beginning of Matthew's lengthy gospel. Why is he coming? Why is, why is the second person of the Godhead who is, is born in Bethlehem in Mary's womb? Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. People like chapter 1 verse 3, Tamar. People like chapter 1 verse 5, Rahab. People like you and like me who are sinners and who are messed up. This is who He's coming for. The one that is in your wife's womb. The Messiah. He's coming to save His people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child. And will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I love this theme, verse 23, of God with us. It's right here at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, and, and he bookends his gospel with this theme of God with us. He is with us here as, as the second person of the Godhead becomes a baby, grows to be a man, dies for our sins is raised on the third day, ascends to the right hand. He's with us in that way. But then at the very end of Matthew's Gospel in chapter 28, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And, and lo, or behold, I am with you always. I am with you, Emmanuel. Matthew's Gospel begins and ends with this promise that He is with us. 
He is with us even after He ascends. God is with us as we carry out our mission of making disciples. This is the mission that He has given to you and to me, to the church. Fulfillment of prophecy. Born of a virgin. This is just awesome, awesome stuff. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. See just his obedience here. He woke up from this dream and he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Simple obedience, not easy. Obedience is hard. For Joseph, it is hard for us. There is a spiritual battle that is waging. Obedience for the believer is a hard thing. And so we have here obedience to divine guidance. To this, this angel speaking um, in a dream. One commentator writes this. He says, we must understand that dreams of this sort differ widely from natural dreams. For they have a character of certainty engraving on them and are impressed with the divine seal so that there is not the slightest doubt of their truth. There's a divine seal on this dream so that Joseph wakes up and obeys. It is as though he is reading the word of God as far as revelatory power and inerrancy, and authority. Matthew Henry uh, writes this. He says, Extraordinary direction like this, we are not now to expect. But God has still ways. But God has still ways of making known His mind in doubtful cases by hints of providence, debates of conscience, and advice of, of faithful friends. I think Matthew Henry and I are probably on the same page here. When he says extraordinary direction like this, we are not now to expect. I don't think he's meaning, and whatever he's meaning, I don't mean to say that God can't do something like that. That he can't speak to you or to me or to someone through an angel, and and we need to get up and obey and and, and follow that divine guidance. I'm not saying that he can't do that. But I'm saying with Matthew Henry, that's not normal. I ain't never had that happen. And... uh, and I'm not ready to have testimonies to have you come up and share if you've had it happen. But maybe, maybe you've had. Maybe you have. So it's possible. But more likely, God directs us when we're trying to find our way. And Joseph is trying to find his way here until this dream comes. More often, we find our way by hints of providence, by God working sovereignly in the details of our lives. We find our way by debates of conscience and by the advice of faithful, by godly friends. Matthew Henry goes on, by each of these applying the general rules of the written word, we should therefore in all the steps of our life, particularly the great turns of it, such as this of Joseph's, take direction from God. And we shall find it safe and comfortable to do as he bids us. We see Joseph's obedience in this section of Scripture. We see it. We see his obedience to the Word, his obedience to the laws of Moses. We see his obedience 
to what I'm calling the gospel theme or contour of grace and, and compassion. And we see his obedience to this divine guidance in verse 24. And then let's look at the last verse we're going to look at today, verse 25. He took, um, he took Mary home as his wife, verse 25, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. This is interesting, verse 25. I, I read verse 25 and, and my mind goes, okay, what? He had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. Why is this here? And I think what we see here in verse 25 is Joseph's obedience to to purity. Joseph's obedience to the seventh commandment. This is not the normal coming together of a couple. It was expedited. And she's pregnant with the Messiah. And so the normal sequence um, of events uh, have not taken place. Seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. In Joseph's uh, day, uh, the the, the union, the consummation of a marriage would happen um, after this betrothal period, after this period of engagement. And, And I think... Most likely, this has been accelerated because of this dream. And even if it wasn't accelerated, that isn't specifically in the text. This is an extraordinary coming together of a couple. And so Joseph, being a righteous and godly man who desires purity, refrains from consummating this marriage. And this is recorded in the Word of God. He had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. This is a godly man. He is living for his God, whom he loves very much. D.A. Carson, uh, oh, for that, um, the the, um, Heidelberg Catechism uh, asked this question, question 109. Does God, in this commandment, the seventh commandment, forbid only such scandalous sins as adultery? Answer, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, body and soul, and God wants both to be kept clean and holy. That is why God forbids all unchaste actions, looks, talk, thoughts, or desires, and whatever may incite someone to them. So Joseph is, is, is taking the highest road possible as far as consummating his marriage. I think we see him obedient to the demands of purity, reserving consummation and enjoyment of marriage, uh, enjoyment of relations to within confines of marriage. Finally, uh, D.A. Carson writes this. He says, while the story is told simply, Joseph's obedience and submission under these circumstances is scarcely less remarkable than Mary's. We see a a simple man, a godly man, who by the power of God is, is obedient. And the good news of the gospel is the resurrection power of Jesus is available to you and me to obey His Word no matter what battle you're in, no matter what fight you're in right now. 
and I know many of I know some of them that are going on that obedience is within your grasp not because of who you are but because of who he is no temptation has seized you except what is common to man and God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it the power of God is sufficient for us to obey his word I've been praying for you the last few days that we would have awe and that we as a church would have obedience. It's been an honor to be a part of some of your lives and to hear the the battle for obedience that some of you have had. And one of those brothers I've had the privilege of of talking with is Jason. Jason Meredith is going to come on up here. He's going to share a little bit about his story and his... uh, battle how you doing man come on up here thanks so we're going to speak very frankly here and uh the lord has really given you strength and power and if i can just say it uh, your battle has been with the idol of alcohol and it's a powerful one being excessively attached to alcohol in the place of the lord jesus and it can uh, it can kill you and it's almost killed you, physically, spiritually. Yeah, all of the above. Basically, um, my wife and I wanted to thank you guys as the congregation for praying and your support the last four or five months, four months, I guess. Um, for about 20 years, I've been battling with alcoholism. And uh, it's just a matter of time before it destroys another piece of my life. So uh, last spring, a couple times, I, I remembered praying to God that it's only a matter of time that my marriage will will be destroyed by this. Um, it was inevitable. So I basically prayed that the only way out would be medically that he would um, change me, in a sense. So he gave me congestive heart failure. And uh, <laughs> So let's back up here. So, so you're praying. You're praying for relief from this thing that has almost taken you out. Correct. This, this battle. Yeah. And and you're saying the Lord answered your prayer by giving you congestive heart failure? Yeah. It's the only way I knew I could stop drinking is to drink and die or to to not drink and live. So through that he gave me yeah. It was a tough, tough road. Still is. I they tell me I'm delicate, but when I first went in they told me the path I was going, I would have only had four months to go to live. I was down to 8% blood flow and pumping. and So I'm on meds, and we talked about transplants, but it looks like the road ahead is going to be just medically and God and, and without alcohol. And with that, I'm relieved um, that the prayer was answered, but also scared at the same time. Yeah, yeah, we can clap or cheer or something. Don't leave yet. But. So before, uh, before you sit down, I think I would want to pray for you before you sit down. But so, so I was at your place, I don't know how long ago it was, a month or two ago. My brain is bad with sequence. But I was, how long? Like a couple months, months, I A couple months ago I was at your place. And Jason uh, was, looked to me like someone that I would visit um, near the end of their life. 
I mean, he was really thin. He didn't have any color. And to move from his bedroom to the living room just about did him in. Like, I felt like I probably shouldn't even be here. Um, And so that was two months ago. So Wednesday, we meet at the park, and he's eating my chips, um, (laughs) which I offered to him. Um, He's... he's, uh, He's eating, he's eating my chips and salsa. So, I mean, just, now you, you told me on Wednesday that your doctor said, like, this, the vitals or whatever haven't really changed, but your, but your ability to work and you're, you're, like, totally functioning. So I don't, Yeah, I don't understand it either. She said that she was talking to me about uh, getting an internal pump set up last week, I think, and I told her that I'm cutting firewood, and she says, oh, that's fine. You could go ahead and do that. And so it's... It's really interesting. She says I'm critical and I can black out and die, but I can also do firewood too. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's the Lord that's yeah. definitely helped me from the bed to getting up and motivating. And, and um, definitely I wanted to thank you guys for your prayers and support. Well, we need to thank the Lord too. And I, I didn't... I know I told you I wasn't going to have you come up here, but would you, Julia, would you come up here? And Connie and Joe, just come on up. We're just going to pray. You don't need to say anything. I'm just going to pray for this. Thank God for what he's done and pray um, and pray uh, for, uh, for the future. And I can go ahead and pray unless one of you wants to or Joe, do you want to? Or? All right, let's, let's bow our heads, uh, church family. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for for the power of God. We thank you that you hear our prayers. And Lord, the way that you've answered uh, Jason's prayer is not a way that I would ever uh, think or imagine or wish. And yet we see your hand in it. And Jason certainly sees your hand in it. And so we thank you for helping him to defeat this overwhelming temptation. And and, and we, we give you praise for that. Lord, we thank you too for his color and, and health and and just uh, the healing that we see coming from you in these last few months. And we pray for that physical healing to continue. You tell us to give you our desires, and so that's our desire, that that physical healing would continue. But we pray especially, God, that you would protect him from the evil one, that you would give him the power to obey as you have. And we trust you for deliverance from this idol. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's, uh, as they return to their seats, let's uh, stand. Worship team's going to come back up. And uh, I can't say anything else after that. I'm so happy.